most chronic disease has to do with stuck emotions and our energy system not working properly. This being able to release and let go, to process and release, as opposed to hold on to things and stuff them, whether it's anger or disappointment or grief, is really becoming more and more understood in terms of how it affects our health and our wellness. Welcome to the Wisdom of Compassion, a podcast presented by White Conch Dharma Center. Our guests share their successes and struggles as we aim to deepen our confidence in the value of compassion. I'm Nawang Zopa, and joining me today is White Conch Executive Director Nakmo Gelmo. Lama Gelmo has served as the Executive Director of White Conch Dharma Center since 2012. She holds a bachelor's degree in nursing, a master's in management, and has specialized in implementing change in healthcare, leading quality initiatives in preventative health. An author and a national speaker, Gelmo also works as a medical Qigong therapist. Lama Gelmo teaches Buddhism as a Nakpang ordained and has a wonderful program offering a weekly Dharma in daily life discussion via conference call. Lama Gelmo, it's wonderful to have you here. It's very nice to be here. So I'm a big fan of your weekly conference call discussions, and I've always been a little curious, how do you decide what you're going to talk about? Certainly, Buddhism in daily life can kind of span a wide range of topics. Do you draw from your own personal experiences week to week? Really, it has to do with the group that's gathered. Sometimes we'll plan in advance, and we'll say we want to explore a different topic, next week and other times it'll be based on what's going on in our lives. Sometimes it'll be based on a quote that Rinpoche posted on Facebook and we'll explore that deeper or a recent teaching that she's given. But it's really about uh, applying what we're learning and our struggles, especially with how to get along with others, um, how to deal with difficult situations and difficult people. When your group puts forth topics for you that they'd like to hear about or they'd like to learn more about? Are there certain themes that they want to discuss more? What elements of, of Buddhism do they, do they, I guess, do they enjoy putting into practice the most? We talk a lot about loving kindness and we talk a lot about compassion. We've recently spoken about uh, death and dying and getting over our fear of death. And in fact, this recent week, we talked about the terrorist attacks and how not to go into fear or into anger and instead how to hold compassion and how to work with others who may or may not have a Buddhist philosophy as well as how we as Buddhists want to try and hold our center in this time when there's a lot of turmoil in the world. That's interesting. So mostly the people that you have in your groups, are do they mostly come from from Buddhist backgrounds, or, or what's the what's the demographics, I guess, if, if you will? We have a mix of people. The core group is part of our North Carolina Greenlight student group. Uh, various people will join us. Some are not Buddhist. They're coming from a Christian background, or everyone from a born-again Christian to uh, someone who's maybe dabbled in other faiths or is a seeker. So it kind of varies week to week. But uh, our core is people that are trying to put the Buddhist teachings into practice. So I know what it's like to be a student of Buddhism. And we probably 
both will be students for our entire lives as it's, it's kind of a uh, an ongoing learning process. And I guess from my side, there's certain elements that I enjoy learning about more than others. But I'm a little bit curious, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. What's it like on the other side of the equation? What aspects of Buddhism do you enjoy teaching the most? I really enjoy how to put things into practice. How do we take these concepts of compassion and loving kindness and patience? How do we deal with the daily challenges that we're, we're addressing and are coming at us, whether that be health issues or, or family issues um, or societal issues? And so I like really making things practical. I've been studying now for 10 years with Rinpoche, and so I have some experience trying the different strategies that she teaches. I like teaching from where were my successes and where am I still struggling. In terms of putting these things into practice, you mentioned health issues as one of the areas where some some of these concepts can have some sort of a practical application. And I'm wondering, since you do come from a health profession background, how do you reconcile physical well-being with the emotional and spiritual well-being? Where's the intersection between the two? Well, I think when I started as a nurse 25 years ago, it was still, it was primarily the body focus. But we did look a little bit at the emotional wellness, especially as nurses. We're looking at how does the person deal with their disease and how are they able to manage their disease? And what are the social elements? How is it affecting their family? Um, How is it affecting their role, either at work or at home? Over the 25 years that I've been in nursing, we've had what's been called um, integrative health come around, where we're really looking more at the whole body, mind, spirit, um, and how those things relate. And so I think within uh, healthcare, there's a real interest in in looking at this broader dynamic. Uh, Our perception of stress is probably the most important risk factor in cardiac disease. I was a cardiac nurse and we love to talk about cholesterol levels and um, blood pressures and all these measurables, but really our perceived stress level, not so much how much stress we're under, but how do we perceive the stress, which is more of our mental as well as emotional and perhaps even our spiritual component is actually the biggest determinant of health, especially within heart disease. And so I think we're really seeing a, a renaissance or a, a transition And in fact, at the um, National Wellness Conference this year, the whole focus was on well-being and getting away from all these numbers and focusing more on wellness as being the overall well-being of the person. So it sounds like from what you're saying that the emotional or the mental state of the individual, that that actually plays a huge part in, in, in healing well. Yes, I think as nurses, we would have always said that the emotions and um, the person's outlook have a huge role to play in their health and healing, and, and that's where nurses help people with those components. But from the body-mind perspective and from a kind of bringing in these Eastern philosophies with Qigong and Chinese medicine, we're really seeing that most chronic disease has to do with stuck emotions and our energy system not working properly. This being able to release and let go, to process and release, as opposed to hold on to things and stuff them, whether it's anger or disappointment or grief, 
is really becoming more and more understood in terms of how it affects our health and our wellness. I guess if you wouldn't mind filling me in a little bit on on what it is that you actually do in this respect. You have um, a Qigong and, and I guess a general wellness practice. I specialize in seniors and people with developmental disabilities and helping them with wellness. And so I design curriculums that incorporate Eastern and Western health strategies that senior centers, adult day centers, anywhere where you're providing services for seniors uh, that they can implement. And I've incorporated a number of Buddhist concepts within a more traditional approach. And so we talk about mind training and how to overcome worry and anger. We talk about stress and how that affects our health. We talk about compassion and how we really want to become more compassionate and, and more kind. We also focus on things like breathing exercises and simple guided visualizations along with our movement exercises to really reset the healing mechanism, re stimulating the relaxation response so that it maximizes our own body's ability to heal itself. That's really fantastic. Thank you for doing that work. Um, obviously much needed. When we can see the unhappiness of others and how it drives their behavior, we no longer get angry at them. Instead, we can hold them in compassion, the wish that they would not suffer. What a different world this will be when compassion and not anger or violence is what children see. That was written by none other than Nakmo Gyalmo from a, a blog post on your website, www.relaxedandalert.com. And that was in reference to a quote by Dwayne Elgin, a well-known media activist that reads, Compassion will no longer be seen as a spiritual luxury for a contemplative few. Rather, it will be viewed as a social necessity for the entire human family. So the idea behind this podcast was to provide a, a platform to explore compassion. And I found this particular quote interesting because it seems to me that the contemplatives that he refers to actually do view compassion as a necessity for humanity. So I imagine that he's, he's kind of talking about a day when everyone shares that view. So my question to you is, are we there yet? Are we to the place that compassion has transcended the sphere of the contemplative few and become almost a universal value? I want to say yes and no. I, I wish I could say yes. I think that, for example, in my children's school, where my, my kids went to school, they had three rules. Be kind, uh, be safe, and do your job. And so they really saw kindness um, as an important piece of, of how they related as a community, how the teachers interacted not only with each other but with the students and how the students interacted with each other. And so I think we're moving in that direction. And I think, um, along with character development, I think compassion um, and being able to see the suffering of others when you're talking about bullying um, in schools and bullying with students, I think we're shifting definitely in the education component. We as a society, when we get attacked by terrorists, are having a hard time staying in compassion and not getting angry or fearful. But sometimes that can be lost, perhaps, on some of our political leaders. 
And so I would love to see more um, compassion and understanding of the suffering of others in the political arena and in our foreign policy. So I think we're getting there. It's always interesting because you see on television uh, where we want to go sometimes. And there's a television show called Madam Secretary where uh, Tia Leone plays the Secretary of State. And she's constantly bringing compassion into the arena of the political sphere as they deal with all these crises. And so I think we as a society want to move in that direction. When our political leaders can say, hey, let's stop here and let's look at the, let's look at the deeper issues and the deeper suffering that's leading people to do these kinds of, of horrible actions and let's look at the root causes, then I think we will have finally made it. His Holiness the Dalai Lama had an interesting post that I saw on Facebook or someone posted of something he said where we should be reacting with an understanding that we need to create more peace, more peace in our own life, more peace in our own communities. And when we've got, when we get the President of the United States and some of the Republican leaders echoing those same statements, then we'll truly have reached it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the barometer right now. When Washington's on board, then we've made it. So in your written response to that quote, which I, I read earlier, you talk about compassion as a remedy, in particular as a remedy for anger. And I'm wondering, how do you cultivate compassion in this way? What negative thoughts or emotions do you personally use it as a remedy for? Uh, Rinpoche gave a wonderful teaching where she talked about uh, when you see an angry person, if you imagine that person is your dear mother who has a mental illness. So if you think of, if I imagine my own mother, and if she had a mental illness, and she was lashing out at others, and she was hurting herself, and she was hurting others, we wouldn't get angry at her. We, we wouldn't want to hurt her. We'd want to protect her. We want to help her calm down. We want to help her, you know, prevent her from hurting herself and, and prevent her from hurting others. And so I love that teaching that whenever I see someone who's getting angry, um, I try and put that process into place and treat them with the same understanding and compassion that I would a dear one, perhaps from someone from my own family, instead of responding back with anger or responding back from a more selfish position about uh, defending my place. And I think it's a practice, um, and sometimes we're more successful than others, but I love that analogy, and I've, I've used that a lot in my classes because um, I thought that was really useful. And so I stop and I try and think, how can I benefit this person? And there's a program that says typically there's three reactions. You ignore it, you remove yourself from it, or you take action to change it. Sometimes the correct response would be you ignore the emotion and you try and actually hear the need. What is it they're trying to get across? What is it that they need? Sometimes the correct response might be it's just too heated. I need to get out of their, out of their way because anything I say is going to just escalate it, and so I need to somehow excuse myself so that it gives them a chance for a timeout and a chance to calm down. And then the third option would be actually take action to change it, which might be you know pointing out, did you really mean to raise your voice like that, or 
Are you just really feeling really strongly about this? And how can we help them to, to change in the moment? And so any of those three options would be based on what do I think would bring the most benefit to that person? And so that's one of the ways that I like to put this in practice. And then when I'm back in my meditation cushion, <laughs> you know, the loving kindness meditation is really helpful for healing those relationships and those pieces, at least from my side. And then working towards a place where I don't have any anger or harm left in me so that I can be harmless and not, not cause that to perhaps arise in others. So that's interesting. The the part of this that you're just describing where, and this is the aspect, I guess, of it where you're not on the meditation cushion, where you're actually out and um, dealing with all the fun things that daily life can throw at us. But it sounds like this technique almost helps you see things a little bit more clearly, um, which is interesting because I would have thought that obviously there's an emotional element to compassion and when I think about seeing things clearly or seeing things as they are, that almost has this element of an emotional detachment. But from your description of, of putting this into practice in daily life, it sounds like this is very much uh, allowing you to kind of see things as they are a little bit more and not get so caught up in what's going on. My, my professional website is called Relaxed and Alert. And again, that comes from Rinpoche because our goal is if we can stay relaxed on the outside and more alert and more careful and more mindful on the inside, then we can deal with whatever's happening in our lives more skillfully. And so learning how to stay calm um, and to stay relaxed is a, is a big part of my work, and both personally and professionally. So, Lama Gelmo, we're going to continue in a moment, <clears throat> but first I'd like to share some information about an event, which I think will help us learn how to act more skillfully and from that relaxed, alert place that you're mentioning. This winter, the second session of the annual White Conch Winter Retreat, which begins on January 3rd, will be centered on the compassion meditation practice of 21 Taras. Buddha Green Tara is generally associated with compassionate action, or, as we've been discussing, skillful means. Hosted at the White Conch Retreat Facility, Lotus Lake Buddhist Center, the retreat will consist of individual and group meditation sessions, and each day, Domo Geshe Rinpoche, the spiritual director of White Conch, will be giving meditation instructions and will lead discussions on the concept of compassion. If you want to register or learn more, please go to white-conch.org slash Tara Retreat. You can view other upcoming White Conch retreats and events at white-conch.org slash events. So I'm going to come back to another quote for a moment, and then I'd like to hear a little bit about your work with White Conch. This is from Thomas Merton. The whole idea of compassion is based on a keen awareness of the interdependence of all these living beings, which are all part of one another and all involved in one another. Now, a lot like Dwayne Elgin earlier, it seems to me that Thomas Merton is discussing compassion as not, not belonging to one religion or another, but to the whole of existing beings. How does this idea of interconnectedness as part and parcel of compassion, how does that resonate with you? 
Well, first of all, I love Thomas Merton, and not just because I lived in the town of Merton that was named after him um, for 25 years. I definitely think that when we can see how we're connected to others, we can see not only the kindness of others and how everything that we have is due to others, whether the person that made my eyeglasses or the person that grew the food that I eat, and we can see ourselves as not being separate. So often we, we see ourselves as separate individuals and everything that I've accomplished is due to what I've done. But when we can step back and see how our teachers, learning how to read, learning how to be a nurse, learning how to, to teach Qigong, all that is due to the kindness of my teachers, that helps me to relax into a place of not having to be so much of an individual and instead feeling part of this, this deeper community. As we relax into that deeper community, this sense of compassion and caring about others, wanting them to be happy, not wanting them to suffer, um, you know, wanting them to be free from suffering, to be free from unhappiness, to have all their needs met, uh, just naturally arises Merton was a small community, 600 people, a um, little bit more in the surrounding area, but we all cared for each other. And so developing this sense of, of interconnectedness, I think just naturally leads to a sense of compassion. So what are some of the things you're working on at White Conch? Well, we have some wonderful programming that we're putting together in terms of teaching visits, where Rinpoche will be traveling around the country, as well as uh, retreats at Lotus Lake Buddhist Center. And then we as an organization are working on our website and how can, we, how can we address the needs and the questions that people have if they're interested in compassion, if they're interested in loving kindness. Our focus is liberate the mind, awaken the heart, and benefit the world. And on our website we have over 50 different teachings by Rinpoche to help us in cultivating and learning and growing in all those areas. So we're really looking at making as many resources available for people that are, that are new to Buddhism, for people that are new to White Conch, and for people that are just trying to learn more about these concepts, but feeling very comfortable in their own tradition. I know the retreat facility, Lotus Lake Buddhist Center, was intending to begin construction on an addition this spring. Where can we find information on that? Is there any fundraising going on now? People can find out more about our Retreat Ring fundraising efforts on the website. They can see pictures of, of what we're hoping to build. There's some beautiful artwork that is available by Nancy Bloom for those that would like to purchase some images as part of uh, this fundraiser or just offer a donation. Um, and people can come just to be in nature and just to relax, to have families gather together and do service together, and just be in a very beautiful, natural, uh, sacred surrounding. So uh, it's available not only for people that are interested in Buddhist tradition, but also people just inter interested in more contemplative opportunities. Well, Gamo, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Vilpa. It's been wonderful being here. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Lama Gelmo and her Qigong and wellness programs, check out her website at relaxedandalert.com 
Galmo is also featured as a white conch teacher in training at white-conch.org slash wcteachers. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening. You can stay up to date on white conch news and events at white-conch.org slash updates and can find all our social media links and blog posts as well as these podcast episodes at white-conch.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and don't forget to check out the next episode as we continue our exploration of compassion.